0: The following is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. Welcome to the Health and Happiness Show with Casey. This is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD.
1: Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for tuning in today. We're going to explore one of my favorite topics, the brain and how it works. Daniel Levitin wrote The Organized Mind, and he says if you're feeling depleted, it may be from paying all that attention. Well,
2: so attention, Casey, is a limited capacity resource. You don't have an unlimited amount of it. And this is because our attentional system is governed by neurons that are living cells with the metabolism. They they need glucose in order to function. And as you switch your attention from one thing to another, like we often do, multiple times, even in a minute, <laughs> this, 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 Pinterest, Vine, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, just rapidly shifting that uses up glucose and after an hour of that if you feel dizzy and depleted it's because you've literally depleted chemicals in your brain not a problem our Stone Age ancestors faced
1: More with Daniel Levitin coming up plus some special treats today how to develop an attitude of abundance what a smile can do for you and somebody else and we'll feed your heart and soul with a yummy breakfast but first let's get magical Matt Kaplan is one of the most interesting dudes you will ever meet he's a science correspondent with The Economist and a contributor to National Geographic and The New York Times. What kind of things go through Matt Kaplan's mind? In the book, The Science of the Magical, you can ponder if bird migration can tell the future, if the phases of the moon really have any effect on our lives, if there are sacred springs that cure disease, and how could we create mutant people to regenerate like Wolverine? He has an active imagination, and he puts things to the test. Are you a debunker, Matt Kaplan, or an explorer?
3: I try really hard to stay away from debunking because I don't think a lot of it is debunking at all. I mean, you get in some of the stuff, you test it out, and you say, oh, okay, that didn't work. I mean, a really good example of that was when we tested out some of the Holy Grail mythology, this idea that you could drink from a cup and it would protect you from poisons. We tried everything, and nothing worked. And you know that's that, that's frustrating. But then we followed a bunch of mythology associated with the Vikings, where the Vikings believed that the wolves and ravens were the the, the sacred animals of their god Odin, and that they would lead them to to their destinies, which is kind of Game of Thrones esque when you think about it. Uh, I mean, follow a wolf following a raven to your destiny is very much Brand Brandon Stark type stuff. I was running after wolves to ravens and ravens to wolves in Yellowstone National Park, and realizing that you can really follow these animals to food, and we see it all the time in Africa. People follow vultures to lion kills and then drive the lions off with their spears, grab a piece of meat and run back home. We don't have any tribes in the north anymore. But you can, you can see how it was feasible for people to have been following ravens which follow wolves and then find the kills that the wolves had made. You've got some debunking, and you've got, I suppose, some exploration where you realize, my goodness, you know, this myth where people thought wolves and ravens were sacred, and and that's such a weird thing, because wolves steal meat, ravens steal meat, why would we view them as sacred? And then you see that there's actually something to the ecology, and that there's actually something real behind the myth, which is a lot of fun.
1: And that is the science of the magical. Matt Kaplan, our guest, you were awarded a Knight Science Journalism Fellowship, and you use that to study... Uh, the sciences at MIT, and folklore at Harvard.
3: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, and a lot of people make the mistake that the book was written while I was in fellowship last year. That's only a little bit true. The book was pretty much done before I ended up at MIT and Harvard, and then I used the year to sort of polish things up and and kind of make a last few tweaks. Mm -hmm. It was really a year to just study and enjoy. I had a great time.
1: Now, tell us about your research into love potions.
3: Okay, so... You find all of this literature, I mean, it goes way back, but the stuff that people associate with, you know, love potions, and, you know, the stuff that people are going to be most familiar with tends to be associated with William Shakespeare. If you look at um, at some of his pieces like, I'm thinking... Um, Oh, blanking off the top of my head, there is a, a piece where there is a white flower that gets struck by Cupid's arrow, and it bleeds purple. Mm. And you, you can identify this flower based upon the description. It's, it, it's known as Johnny Jump Up and Kiss Me in some parts of the world, or Johnny Jump Ups in others. And you can, you can look at what the biochemistry of that flower is, And that flower had tons of pharmaceutical benefits. You can, I mean, there are so many ways in which Johnny Jump-Ups are actually used in medicine, and that's really cool. None of them are associated with love, and that's kind of sad. You would wish that it kind of was. Oh, by the way, the play is Midsummer Night's Dream. I totally forgot. But you can look at other places where people were messing with aphrodisiacs and realize that they really were onto something. I mean, a really good example would be something like Ambra Gracia, which is this Arabian usage of a brown-gray compound found in the guts of sperm whales. Oh, my gosh. We know it's an aphrodisiac. And so folks kind of figured that out. How? I don't know. And decided that they would infuse it with magical energy and decide that this was something that could give you the ability to fall in love. But you look at love at a larger scale, and it gets complicated because... Just because you give somebody a a sudden burst of attraction doesn't mean that they're going to stick together. And the book goes into a lot of explorations of how you could make people fall in love long-term, and if that was possible, biochemically using the science we have today. And the short answer to that is, you know, you could create a crush. You could possibly bring two people together using a mix of various cocktails. But then you've got the issue of free will the following morning, and you wake up and go, oh, my God what have I done? (laughs) Who is this person? Why am I here? So, and and to be totally honest, Casey, the more interesting aspect of love potions is the reverse, the ability to break enchantment. Mm. We are getting so close to being able to use drug cocktails to snap people out of being infatuated. And think about how important that is. Think about how many people, you've you've got a mother of four who is working at the office, she's been married for 20 years, and she falls in love, you know, she develops a crush on some guy that she meets. It is a disaster if she decides to have a fling and her husband finds out. It could destroy the family. Being able to give her an ability to snap herself out of it so that she gets over the infatuation and goes back to her stable life would be an in- incredible service. And we're really, really close to being able to do that.
1: Oh. Matt Kaplan is the guest. I have to say I think that's scary because I come at things from a completely different angle. If this woman that's married and has four kids has an attraction to somebody at the office, there's something wrong. I think we need, instead of giving her the pill to snap her out of it, we need to find out why she's searching outside of her happiness. You know, there's something underlying going on. Oh!
3: I agree there's yes. that too I mean right. you, you have to look into that as well, but you know once you 've got the infatuation going, some people find it very hard True. to turn True. off, and so there is of course the psychological pathway, and that's really important, but you also potentially have a group of pharmaceuticals that can start to help in that arena yes. and so it's kind of nice, because throughout history, 700 years now, people have been tinkering with the issue of love potions, and we're kind of still developing, which yes. is lovely. And, and, truth, so, and I really get into it.
1: And truth be told, I wish I had that cocktail, you know, a few times as I look back on my dating years. Okay.
3: Oh, ditto here, ditto here.
1: <laughs> Page 11, thinking yourself well. Much has been written oh, about this.
3: This is such cool stuff. Okay, so now... The, the The key area here is throughout history, people have said, if you if you have faith and you go to the gods and you make your sacrifices, you will be healed. I mean, and there were a lot of temples in ancient times where people could go and pray to the gods, and there was real real belief here. There still is today. We have an enormous number of people in our world who deeply believe that if they can pray to their God, that their God will give them a blessing and heal them. And I'm, I'm relatively secular, relatively skeptical, but then in 2013, this paper slid across my desk, and it demonstrated that if you were happy in the right way, and I, I need to expand on that a little bit, there are a couple types of happiness. There's hedonic happiness, which is the happiness that we more or less feel when we go to Vegas and win a 1000 bucks at a slot machine. Mm-hmm. And then there's eudaimonic happiness, which is this happiness we feel when we help an old lady crossing the street, when we feed the homeless, when we clothe the naked, you know, when we're helping somebody else. And this team of researchers at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill demonstrated that when they had folks who were chronically feeling eudaimonic happiness, this this very community-oriented happiness, they engaged, their bodies engaged in gene expression because they were taking blood samples from these folks throughout the entire experiment that promoted immune health so they promoted immune activity that was helping their bodies to much more effectively fight off bacteria and viruses and you know you could i read that and thought oh my god this is crazy how could you possibly that that's nuts Mm. but the thing is it was published in proceedings the national academy of sciences which for those of us in the world of science journalism and the sciences that's a big deal that's a peer-reviewed journal you don't publish in there lightly and the amazing thing is, this year, the work was replicated, which is kind of the gold standard in science. You can get an interesting result once. It could be a fluke. You do it again. Then you start to sit up and say, whoa, what are you folks on to? So what this means is that going and engaging in community-organized behaviors and activities, going on a pilgrimage with a bunch of other people to sacrifice a goat to your God, or going to the synagogue to pray with your family, going to church, going to the stupa, and and being together with other people and doing these charitable acts that make you feel good, actually are expressing aspects of your immune system that help you to better fight off disease. So is praying going to help you you know survive a car accident? Probably not. But and definitely not actually, but you know if you 've got, got a disorder or a disease that's that 's eating away at you and virus oriented or bacteria oriented engaging this kind of happiness can really potentially help
1: so we are basically hardwired to take care of each other. If we take care of each other and do good things, our body produces chemicals that support our well being
3: i wouldn 't say hardwired because there are lots of people in this world who don 't help others. And so psychologically, I don't think we're as hardwired as I would like us to be. Okay. But biologically, we gain a real benefit. Well, real. we gain an immunological benefit. It remains to be tested the effectiveness of this gene, this gene expression benefit on the immune system. They've, all they've said is, hey, wow, twice we've been able to reveal that engaging in this kind of happiness regularly boosts immune function It's not ethical to then infect people with diseases and see how well they fight them off. Mm. There are all kinds of laws against that.
1: Yes. Okay, so being nice is good for you. Could we say that?
3: You can definitely say that, which makes you wonder when Jesus Christ in the Bible constantly says, your faith has healed you. Wow, you know, Jesus was onto something there. I, I think you can really argue that the concept of pinning your life up to something much greater than yourself... Believing in this larger spiritual community and, and being a part of it really has biological benefits.
1: Matt Kaplan, Science of the Magical, such a fascinating book. I have to ask with and mind and imagination like yours, what are you doing?
3: That's really open to exploration. I'm keen to look at the boundary between science fiction and current technology. I'm really interested in looking at what degree science fiction pushes technology along and to what extent science and technology push fiction along. Is it one leading the other or a reticulation going back and forth between the two?
1: When you figure that out, you come back. We'll talk again.
3: Sounds great. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: Thanks, Matt. Have a great day. Cheers. Matt Kaplan. He wrote The Science of the Magical. If you'd like a copy of the book, email Casey Radio at gmail.com, and I'll put you in the drawing. Still to come, what's going on inside your brain? First, let's embrace an attitude of abundance with Priscilla Kerrissy.
0: This is the Health and Happiness Show with Casey on 100.7 WHUD. If you have a question or need more information about things you've heard on the show, email kcradio at gmail.com. The Health and Happiness Show, information, fun, and inspiration.
4: Abundance is more than money in and money out. It doesn't take money to make money. It takes an attitude of prosperity to make money. Creating that attitude just takes six simple steps. Number one, list what you don't want, such as, I don't want to drive this junker anymore. Two, turn that list into declarations of what it is you do want. For instance, I want a new, safe car that gets good mileage. Three. Change the sentence structure so that the words, I want, make sense using I am instead. I am the owner of a new Toyota. 4. Begin to act as if you already have what you desire. Let yourself feel like the owner of a new Toyota would feel. 5. Celebrate every small increase in your prosperity. Rejoice as if you've made a million bucks, even when you find a quarter on the ground. And 6. Give in order to get. Keep the flow of energy moving. Share what you have with sincerity and goodwill. This six step process sets you up with an attitude of prosperity and that attracts wealth. You can purchase a copy of the Live and Learn Guide to Getting the Money You Want, Not Just the Money You Need, Six Easy Ways to Amazing Abundance Now at www.liveandlearnguides.com.
1: Dr. David Bank at the Center for Dermatology, Laser, and Cosmetic Surgery in Mount Kisco is one of only 300 doctors in the U.S. trained to use Kybella. Kybella is an FDA-approved chin fat-removing drug. With this in-house procedure, you can now remove excess fat around the top of the neck, known as double chin. This is a common concern for many, as this area is often too hard to conceal with clothing. Now, with up to six sessions, there is finally a non-surgical solution to dramatically enhance a person's appearance, and self-esteem and give a more youthful look. The healing process is so minimal, you can expect to return to work in just days. Kybella is a permanent treatment. Even if you gain weight post-procedure, those areas treated still remain tight and slim. Schedule your consult with Dr. David Bank 914-241-3003 That's 914-241-3003 and visit Centerforderm.com. Hi, it's Holly Shelowitz with your nourishing wisdom. What's for breakfast? A nourishing breakfast will sustain your body, nourish your brain, keep blood sugar levels balanced and your mood steady. Here's one of my favorites and it's a real quickie. Overnight oats. In your breakfast bowl, soak half cup of rolled oats, one cup of water, one tablespoon of walnuts and a sprinkle of sunflower seeds with a pinch of salt. You soak it overnight Just keep it covered and out on the counter. When you wake up in the morning, add a splash of unsweetened almond milk, some goji berries, and some shaved dried coconut, and even the zest of a lemon. Stir all of this together, and you'll have a delicious, refreshing, and filling breakfast. For this recipe and many others, visit nourishingwisdom.com. I'm
5: Holly with your nourishing wisdom. Blessings on your day. Hi, this is Fran Capo, adventurer, comedian, and author of Hopeville, the City of Light. 44 secrets to happiness here's one of those secrets smile you ever notice how hard it is to be angry or sad if you're smiling I say Institute the 10-foot rule if you're within 10 feet of someone look them in the eyes and smile it costs nothing to you or the recipient and that simple gesture can really cheer up someone and elevate their mood Look, there are approximately 43 muscles in the face. Well, according to Snopes.com, it takes 22 muscles to smile and 37 muscles to frown. Some doctors actually say it only takes four muscles to smile and 63 to frown. That's 16 times more effort. So if you smile, you're conserving energy. It's a win-win for all. Scientists have even found that if you smile, you're more likely to be hired for a job and more trusted once in the job. So the next time you're in a crowded city or hallway at work or even stuck in traffic, just smile. Hey, I'm a New Yorker, and if I could do it, so can you. Plus, if you're really good at it, it'll make people wonder what you're up to. I'm Frank Capo, the world's fastest talking woman, and if I could stop talking to smile, so can you. Find out more at FrankCapo.com. Hi, it's
1: Casey. Grateful to spend some time with you today. I hope you'll join me for a day of health and happiness. It's Sunday, March 13th in Beacon, New York. Get details at CaseyRadio.com. Now we'll take a peek into your brain with Daniel Levitin. What does paying attention actually cost you? We're going to find out. He has two other books for the musicians in your life, The World in Six Songs, and This is Your Brain on Music. Daniel's latest is called The Organized Mind, Thinking Straight in the Age of Information Overload, and like the others, this one is loaded with research.
2: I've been writing about the brain since the early 2000s, and um, Your Brain on Music came out in 2006. The Organized Mind, which is the new book, uh, I took four years to to write. There was a lot of research that had to be done, and... uh, It was really an ambitious project, but I'm glad I, I learned a lot while doing it.
1: This is what blew me away. You say our brains evolved to take on the challenges of life in the Stone Age, and our brains haven't caught up to handling today's avalanche of input?
2: Right. So, you know, there's this concept of evolutionary lag, which is that, you know, we do evolve and we uh, our brains and our bodies change in response to situations in the world, changes in the world. But in terms of brain evolution, it can take about 20,000 years for our brains to catch up to things. So we're basically running around with brains that were built for the Stone Age. Oh, wow. Not the Information Age.
1: And this is the Information Age. Now, you say the phrase paying attention is something scientifically true? How do we pay with our attention?
2: Well, so attention, Casey, is a limited capacity resource. You don't have an unlimited amount of it. And this is because our attentional system is governed by neurons that are living cells with the metabolism. They they need glucose in order to function. And as you switch your attention from one thing to another, like we often do multiple times, even in a minute, (laughs) this, 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 Pinterest, Vine, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, just rapidly shifting, that uses up glucose. And after an hour of that, if you feel dizzy and depleted, it's because you've literally depleted chemicals in your brain. Not a problem our Stone Age ancestors faced.
1: Wow, this explains our teenagers.
2: Well, (laughs) not fully, (laughs) (laughs) fully.
1: but, but, you know, that depleted sometimes, it's like, why don't you have energy? Well, because they've been overloading their brains. All right, how can we make this better? How can we, can we make it better? Well, you know, I think it's
2: like anything else. We just need to exercise a little bit of self-discipline. You don't go to the library and binge read every book in the section you don't once you're down in front of the TV most of us don't stay there for 4 days straight uh, there's something uniquely addicting about all the information feeds we get from the internet and we just need to recognize that that's true and put systems in place to to protect ourselves from the addiction of it all so or if it, if addiction feels like too strong a word enticement you could say mm-hmm. so uh One suggestion that highly successful people of all ages have been following is they turn the Internet off for an hour at a time, a couple of times throughout the day. Uh, No text messages, no surfing, so that they can really do what it is that's in front of them. And that could be work. You could be working on a report. It could be be social time with family where you leave the cell phones at the door or in a basket. Um, It could be... Any activity, hobby, playing a musical instrument, listening to music, just get disengaged now and then yeah. to break the cycle.
1: Boy, it feels good. I love those those moments in the afternoon where I think, wow, my phone's in my purse. I haven't gone near it, you know, for hours. It feels good, probably because the glucose in my brain is sufficient at that moment.
2: If you're, if you're outside and about and you're in nature. Yeah. You're letting your mind wander that actually restores some of the spent glucose
1: oh ah, that's good that's good all right you say the processing capacity of the conscious mind is 120 bits per second i don't even know what that means you'll explain but it also means you can't understand more than two people talking at once
2: So, uh, because attention is limited, it's like a filter, we can only process a certain number of things, and bits is a measure of information, and by this estimate, you can can track two conversations at once, effectively, and keep up with them, not three or four. So... I think what this means is, I mean, we we all know this. You can't enter a cocktail party or a crowded room and follow every conversation. But it has an interesting implication. In a world with 7 billion people, you know, we can only understand two at a time. No wonder we've got conflict and war.
1: Wow, yeah, that's one way to look at it. We are talking to Daniel J. Levitin, Ph.D. The new book is called... The Organized Mind Thinking Straight in the Age of Information Overload. Now, you say you learned a lot in researching this book. What were some of the things that surprised you?
2: I wrote a section of the book on leadership and business because businesses are
3: organizations, and this is about organizing.
2: I was surprised to learn that there's a trend in some of the top companies and even in the military to push authority downwards. In other words, give people throughout the organization situational understanding, of what the company's goals are, or what what the in immediate needs are, so and then give them the, empower them to exercise their authority, even if it goes against a direct order they've been given. This makes for happier employees and usually a more effective operation because the ones closest to the ground, as it were, are, are the ones who really know what's going on.
1: And many of us are shaking our heads. Yes, we too understand exactly. You'll want to read more about this from Daniel Levitin. His book is called The Organized. Mind. And if you'd like to be eligible to win a copy, send me an email, caseradio at gmail.com, and I'll put you in the drawing. And if you want to join me for a day of health and happiness, March 13th in Beacon, visit caseyradio.com. Shine on with the rest of your day, and I will see you next week.
0: You've been listening to The Health and Happiness Show with Casey. The content of The Health and Happiness Show is intended for general information purposes only. The Health and Happiness Show is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at caseyradio.com. And join Casey for another edition of The Health and Happiness Show next Sunday morning on 100.7 WHUD.